All right, well, prepare to take some notes. We're going to be in the book of Colossians chapter 3. So Colossians chapter 3 is where we're going to start. And this is such a profound word today. I really went to before God and I said, God, you know, this is awkward family Christmas. How many of you have loved this series? Has this series helped you? Has it been good for you? Seeing all these crazy pictures of me in every stage and season of my life. And it's been embarrassing. I'll be honest, I've been a little reluctant to share what I shared, but I prayed that my vulnerability would help somebody get free. And so I'm going to go a little bit deeper now that we're in the last and final regular Sunday service of the year. And, And my hope today is that God will heal your past in order to protect your future. My hope today is that you will take an action that is so different than every other action you've ever taken that it changes the course of your life forever today. I believe that before the end of this service is over, that you can actually make a decision to do one singular action that you have to point back to for the rest of your life and say it was at that service I, I thought Christmas Eve was going to be special, but it was the, the Sunday before Christmas. It was, I thought there's somebody here with a story. Everything's going to change. Um, but I, okay, before we jump into Colossians, can I just show you me less than two years ago? <laughs> you know what's funny is doesn't it look like I stretched it? <laughs> That's like, that's really me less than two years ago. For those of you who are new to the the church, you're like, wow, Pastor Mike, did you get stung by a bee? Um, Did you eat yourself? (laughs) Did you know what in the world? This is me. But for those of you who are not new to the church, I'm mad at you. How did you let me become this? You know, do you not love me enough to say, Pastor Mike, put down the bagel? That's your sixth bagel? This is me. And I'm especially mad at my wife. I got to do this from the stage. Because I, I, Julie, I asked my wife when I was this big, hey, do you think I'm, I'm big? Did, am I fat? And you know what my wife said? She said, no, you look good. You're buff. You're husky. More, there's more to love. Matter of fact, when I lost all this weight, I told Julie, I said, you lied to me. And she said, you're right. I like you better, bigger. And I was like, that's nasty. This is me less than two years ago. And I've shown you every picture from every season of my life. I never, I, that's bad. <laughs> Julie just yelled, it looks good. You're part of the problem. I didn't even write a solution to that problem in my sermon today. We'll take that picture down because it's awkward. I feel like that's me looking at me saying, when are we getting out for lunch? What do we learn from this picture? This is my awkward family Christmas picture. If you've ever taken a Christmas family photo and not liked what you saw in the picture, can I just tell you, you're either making decisions out of pain or you're making decisions out of faith. 
And, and I wish I could tell you that I looked that way just because I love food, but actually it's, I loved the comfort that food gave me in the midst of fear. And I wasn't eating and making choices out of faith. I was making them out of fear. I know it's getting, it's getting deep, but I, I wasn't actually giving my fears to God. I was giving food to myself because I was soothing. And, and, and I don't know if anybody knows what that's like. Can we just get real today? across every campus and here's the problem with that picture let, let me let's put it back up for fun <laughs> the problem with this picture is that I in at this stage of my life less than two years ago I was successful in the kingdom by anyone's standard of success as a matter of fact, when you look at this picture, this is the best that my marriage has ever been. This is the biggest my platforms to preach the gospel ever were. But I had some unhealth in the area of my emotions that was affecting my physical health. And what if I just told, take that picture down. What if I just told you that God is going to heal your past in order to protect your future? And it's going to take you making an action that's confirmed by his Holy Spirit that changes the course of your life forever. And it's going to have to be an action that's so great, that's so different than any other decision that you made before that it gets a result you didn't get before. If you keep doing what you're doing, you're going to keep getting what you're getting. But you've got to make a decision so different and so much more extreme than the decisions that you made before that it actually changes the course of your outcome. Mike Signorelli eating what I ate, when I ate it, how I ate it got me that body type. So I was going to have to make a change. But I don't know about you, but I had a lot of ups and downs. Anybody else like a roller coaster where it's like, this is me skinny, this is me fat, this is me skinny, this is me fat, this is me thin, this is anybody else. And it's because I was trying to be the source of my own discipline. I, and it's not about weight today, you'll see, but it's about God dealing with things in your past that actually causes you to move into the future that he designed for you. And we've got to get free. God wants to deal with it. Can we go there today? Okay, come on. Now, before we go into Colossians chapter three, Bronnie Ware, she is an Australian who provided end of life care for thousands of patients. So she would make them as comfortable as possible before they die. I know this is incredibly morbid right now. And some of you are like, wow, really? The Sunday before Christmas, you show us a picture of us. We just had Thanksgiving and, and I've, I'm already falling off my diet. Now we're talking about death. Yes, we're going there. But she provided end-of-life care for thousands of people, and she wrote a book, The Top Five Regrets of the Dying. And out of the thousands of people that told their last words to her, she accumulated all of that information and said, what are the five things that I heard the most frequently from those who were dying? Can I give them to you? There's five of them. Number one, I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself, not what other people expected of me. Can I just tell you in this last full Sunday before the end of the year that God wants you to get free from the expectations of other people? The number one thing that I hear as a pastor is you all feeling pressure to go to your dead, dry, religious, manipulative, controlling church because somebody expects you to go there even though the Holy Spirit called you here. Uh, we live according to those expectations. And can I just help you? The regret you're going to have is not people, please 
seizing on your deathbed. It's going to be giving other people what they wanted and not living out the convictions that God put in your heart. It's time to get free from their expectations. Here's another one. People who are in relationships and they're dating. I'm not talking to the married folks right now. It's too late for you. But for the dating people who know they're with the wrong person but they stay with that person because they have a history. Well, can I just tell you that sometimes you got to be willing to break up and delete a history so that you can have a future that God called you to. And you made a choice to date them out of your self-esteem and not out of the prophetic call that God has on your life. Stop living according to their expectation that you'll stay. Live according to God's expectation that you'll leave, that you'll go. Come on, I'm trying to help you into the next level today so they said that when they're on their deathbed they were saying I wish I had the courage to live a life true to myself not what other people expected uh, here's me just giving you permission to do what God called you to do Come on, I'll stand with you. This church will stand with you. Come on, Eddie and Jocelyn will stand with you. Patrick and Natalie will stand with you. Come on, we will, Chase and Haley will stand with you. Come on, you've got more for you than against you. It's time in 2023 to walk out what God called you to do, and you might have to offend a hundred people to please God. Oh, come on, I'll say it today. Okay, let's do number two. I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Come on, New Yorkers. Time is non-refundable. You can get more money, but you can't get more time. You can go get more money, but you can't get more time. Time is non-refundable. You spend it working, and you're trying. But what if you spent your time doing meaningful things? I'm not trying to say don't work hard. I'm trying to say the biggest tragedy in life is life without purpose. And so God is going to realign your priorities. And some of you are going to come into 2023 saying, I did the things that were meaningful to me. I didn't just work hard. I did the things that God called me to do. And it was meaningful to me. Is anybody going to make that commitment? Come on. It's going to be meaningful. Matter of fact, sometimes the most meaningful things that we do with our life are the things that don't pay us at all at first. Most people who become wealthy have not become wealthy because they were trying to make money. It's because they did the things that were most meaningful to them and money came. See, God's realigning your priorities. Oh, I know I'm digging in there right now. Some of you are like, this hurts, stop digging. I'm digging until you get free today. Because I'm telling you, God wants to help you. The third most common thing that she heard is, I wish that I had the courage to express my feelings. Oh, come on. I know some of y'all. Some of you act so bold and so tough, but you still don't tell people how you really feel. What if in 2023 you started actually telling them, I don't want to hang out. I want to stay in my pajamas and stay in bed and watch Netflix and I'm not coming out. And I hope you're still my friend after I say that. And if I got to feel like I got to go out of my way to make you like me, then you're probably not worth the upkeep. And I'm going to find some people who don't need constant attention to have a relationship with me. I'm going to tell you how I really feel. You know, everything is awesome. <laughs> some of you, that's how you're like, everything is awesome. It's like, no, actually, I want some people around me that I can actually tell them how I really feel and them not think that I'm negative because I have a negative emotion. 
You know, men and women of God got to get used to saying like, I'm going through some stuff, I'm hurting. You don't have a real relationship until you have real communication. Connect groups are supposed to be when we do church in such a small environment that you can be known for who you really are. And so you've got to make a commitment in 2023. I might leave one group for a connect group and I'm going to get in there and I'm, I'm going to be vulnerable enough to express how I truly feel. There are some people that if you died right now and they had to speak your funeral would give you the wrong eulogy because they don't even know what you're really like and what you really prefer because you've never been comfortable enough and it's a root of rejection and you think you have to earn people's approval. You think that you got to act such a way, but 2023 looks like you being okay with being you oh this is liberating this is liberating come on don't you want people to love the true you instead of having some kind of affinity for a version that doesn't exist Woo! come on here's the last two i wish i would have stayed in touch with my friends i just want to encourage you it's going to be about relationships Maybe there's some people that God has called you to. Stay in touch with your friends. 2023, don't make the regret of dying and being on your deathbed and actually thinking, I wish that I had stayed in touch with friends. That was one of the biggest regrets. And the last one is this. Oh, I felt this one. Emo Mike felt this one. Overeating Emo Mike. I wish I let myself be happy. Happiness is not the result of your circumstances. Happiness is a permission you give yourself. Oh, you have to choose joy because guess what? All of your life is going to be hard. There's never going to be a moment where you arrive. And if you are, you're drunk. If you are, you're high. The only time people think everything's all right is when they're out of their mind, drunk or high. And then guess what happens? You sober up and you're reminded everything's not okay. And so guess what? Happiness is a permission you have to give yourself. I don't know about you, but I feel this mental block where I tell myself, I'm just not going to let myself be happy today. I know I'm speaking into somebody's life right now because it's getting eerily quiet. Someone's like, I did not sign up for counseling today. I thought I was going to church. I'm breaking up the ground before we go deeper into this word. Give yourself permission to be happy. You can allow yourself to be happy. It's just a choice you make. You know, there are times where you'll get the thing that you thought you wanted and be less happy. You know, there's been times where I said, God, I want you to expand my ministry. I want you to grow in, you know, like grow my reach. God, extend my tin post. Then I get there and I'm like, oh, remember the good old days when we were in the Atlas Park Theater and we were, you know, it's like you, it's like, isn't it funny how desire always wants the future, but nostalgia always paints a better picture of the past. Isn't it funny how like you'll leave that person because God told you to separate and then you forget how they abused you, but you seem to nostalgically remember all the good times that draw you back. Isn't that funny thing? Don't let that happen to you. Don't live a life full of regrets this year. Come on, we are going to get free today. Now let's look at Colossians chapter three, because when I was eating like the way that you saw it produced that version of me. We've got to go back into my family life. 
And then in order to understand my family life, you have to understand the family life of my mother and father. And then to understand their family life, you have to go into the family life of their mother and father. And to understand their family life, do you get the point? And so our childhood and how we live in our childhood determines what's set in our mind and our emotions and in our spirit. And many of us spend our entire adulthood trying to undo our childhood. But I got some good news. Just hold on. Just hold on. You know, my dad watched his dad die prematurely. His dad watched his dad die prematurely. His dad watched his dad die prematurely. So what happens is when you are facing that level of trauma over and over and over again, you've got to make a choice. My mind feels like it's going to snap. I need comfort. All of us here need comfort. As a matter of fact, we live in climate controlled apartments and homes, and then we go into climate controlled cars, and then we go into work environments that are climate controlled. Why? Because human beings need a 71 to 72 degrees environment. We, right? We never go so many hours without eating because when we are glucose, we have something, a mechanism in our life that says eat again. We have these systems that tell us this is homeostasis. This is what normalcy becomes. The problem is trauma makes dysfunction normal. Oh, I know I'm dropping it. Trauma makes dysfunction normal. So there's a normal time to eat, but then trauma says eat all the time because it's a form of false comfort. Matter of fact, my father, Mike Signorelli Sr., I heard stories about when my mom and him were dating and then they got married. He was a bigger guy. And they would go to buffets and he would eat and eat and eat and eat. And then he would go into the bathroom and he would purge. Then he would come out and eat and eat some more. That's tragic. Why would you do that? Well, let me tell you why. Science tells us that when you're feeling anxiety or fear, if you chew gum even, just pretending to eat, going through the emotions will actually significantly reduce your anxiety and your fear. Did you know that? Because when we eat, our body is saying, you're going to be safe. You're going to survive. You're going to be okay. So for my father to binge eat, then go into the bathroom of restaurants and purge and eat some more, what he was, it wasn't about the love of food. It was the duration of time. How long can I eat? Because as long as I'm chewing and eating, there is comfort. So what's it really about? It's about pain. And God will actually heal that pain from your past to protect your future. My father never got free, but I'm preaching to three locations full of churches and global online. And y'all are about to get free today. So Colossians chapter three, verse 18, 18 through 21 shows you God's picture of what a perfect family environment should look like. If your family environment growing up as a child had anything less than what I'm going to read you in this scripture, you had trauma and pain in your family. And just so you don't feel bad while I'm reading this scripture, it's all of us. So we're all in this together. Let's look at it together. Colossians chapter three, verse 18 through 21. Wives submit to your husbands as it is fitting in the Lord. Guys, this is not my opinion. Don't, don't be mad at me about this. This is the word of God. If you were raised in a home where you did not see a wife submit to her husband as is fitting to the Lord, there was dysfunction in that home. 
Be, no, I know it got real quiet because some women like, oh, no, he didn't. No, he didn't. Let me help you. If you saw a mother and a father and the wife's goal was to get around, get over, or get through her husband, there was dysfunction there. In the mother's attempt, I'm going to get over my husband. There's dysfunction. There's manipulation. There's control. I'm going to get, I'm going to do it without him. I don't need a man. I can do it without him. Listen, I used to think that, but two moms don't equal one dad. My mother did a tremendous job growing me up and raising me. Thank God that I had a heavenly father because all I knew was the torment of abuse from a physical father. But I will tell you, there is a unique design by God going back to Genesis and any attempt to violate or to enhance or to do it differently will always end in tragedy. It says, wives, submit to your husbands. If the goal was I'm going to do it without him, if the goal was I'm going to go around him or over him, there was some kind of pain there. There's something broken there, and you suffered the consequences of it. Okay, hold on, wives. Don't get mad at me yet, women. Husbands, love your wives and do not be embittered against them. Submission is not a matter of position. Submission is a matter of love. Wives, if you watch this, if your dad loved your mother well, your mother's goal was not to do life without him. It was not to get over him. It's not to run through him. If he did such a good job of loving your mother, your mother would have said, let's do this together. Therefore, submission does not come out of position or fear, but is a response to being loved so well. As a matter of fact, I'm submitted to God, but I am submitted to God because he loves me so well. Why would I go anywhere else? Why would I serve anyone else? Why would I leave this relationship dynamic? It's because of his mercy and loving kindness. It's because he provides for me. And from that place, I'm submitted to God. And so if your dad did a good enough job loving your mother you would have seen a holy submission in your home and a cooperation between your mother and father that would have actually taught you the dynamic between Christ and the church. I know very few of us saw that. Here's another one. Children, obey your parents in everything, for this is pleasing in the Lord. If you saw children, or if you were one of these children, who obeyed or disobeyed your parents in anything, you disobeyed out of brokenness. It was revealing something in you that was broken. It would, now watch, let's go deeper. I know it's super quiet right now, but this is because these are the things that no one's ever said to you, but this is going to be why you get free in a way you've never been free. Fathers, do not provoke your children so that they will not become disheartened. Many of you had fathers that because of their sin provoked you to anger. Because of the way they treated your mother, you were provoked to anger. You see what it says? So look, so out of this, whew, I feel the anointing. There's one command to a woman. There's one command to the children. There's two commands to the male. So submission and leadership says, let the greatest be, be the servant. What it meant to have a male in the home that was a godly leader 
was actually that they served so well that they loved so well that when dad says we're going to church, we're going. When dad says we're going to give, we're going to give. When dad says to serve, we're going to serve because he's leading from that position. Anything other than what I just said is going to produce rage, anger, rejection, bitterness, isolation, fear, loneliness. And then from those wounds, you'll go and you'll, you'll select your mate from those wounds. From those wounds, you'll go sleep around. From those wounds, you'll spend your money however want from those wounds you'll eat however you want from your this is our awkward family christian come on christmas we're airing out all the dirty laundry today this is our family secret that we're not supposed to tell everybody and we're going there today but you're in good company because out of all 66 books of the bible that come together to make one canonized book there are only four chapters without sin the whole rest of the Bible is full of everybody else's uh, faults and failures. Isn't that comforting? Genesis 1 and Genesis 2, there's no sin. And Revelation 21 and 22, there's no sin. All the rest of it, welcome to the club. You might fit into my family. So here's the thing. Adam and Eve, they sinned. And Adam responded by blaming his wife. If your dad blamed your mom... He was not a man of God. A man of God will never blame his wife for nothing. If his wife cheated, is if, if his wife stole, is if wife ran away, is if his wife, a man, see what happens is Adam said, God created me, I'm going to take responsibility. But Adam blames his wife. Whenever you blame your spouse, you are, I'm talking to the men right now. I'm not calling you out. I'm calling you up. You are, whenever you blame your spouse, you are making God small. When you say, God, I believe that I married this woman and you're going to heal and restore and you're going to work and you're going to move. You're saying, God, have your way. And, and I'm just trying to increase your faith right now because Adam actually responded by blaming his wife when he fell. And then they parented two male children and one of the sons killed the other son. And why? Because he blamed, he blamed the other son. See how this is? Okay, Abraham, God's chosen man, he married two wives, breaking God's design. God never designed for us to have multiple wives. And so Abraham actually married two wives, breaking God's design, and he eventually kicked one wife out with her child, and they lived in another house. Okay, let's go a little bit deeper. Jacob, Jacob married several wives like his grandfather. Do you see how Abraham married two wives, but then Jacob marries many wives? Do you see how as the problems go down the generations, they multiply? Do you, so, you, so with every generation, it increases. Okay, let's go deeper. David, this is King David. Now, y'all never had this coloring book growing up. I'm going to read you the coloring book you didn't get, the whole Bible. This is adult day, child, what do we call it, Sunday school. It's been a while. We do revival in B1 Youth. I can't even remember what they call it. The problem is you had Sunday school, never had church anyways. Mm -mm, the leader's like that. <laughs> Everybody else is like, I miss Sunday school. <laughs> this is making me feel awkward. Okay, hang with me, hang with me. David had many wives, and then he had a son 
who actually, so he has many wives, even more than Jacob. Then he has an actual, I'm just reading you their dirty laundry so that you can see what, what God is doing. His son raped his sister. And then the daughter's brother, Absalom, kills the son that raped her. So David's kids, you know, the, the giant killer, the mighty man of God. He obviously had some things that he never dealt with because they were transmitted through the generations. And so he didn't get to hear this sermon, but you're better than David today because you get to say, oh no, not with my kids. There's something better. No, no, no. Because you have literally sexual sin and murder that happened within David, the giant killer. Try to make somebody make an adult, uh, you know, uh, coloring book. Come on, Nikki G, bestseller. When we consider the biblical narrative, we see many family relationships that were broken by sin. And today your life is no different than that. It was sin that was passed down, sin that was passed down, and you think that you're making your choices. Can I just tell you, you are doing more on automatic than you could ever imagine. You are doing more that you are pre-programmed to do than you could ever imagine. Your dad did it. Your grandfather did it. Your great-grandfather did it. Your great-great-grand, your grandmother did it. You're doing more on autopilot than you can ever imagine, but it's going to take one singular choice that breaks every other choice. It's going to take one action more extreme than any other action. And if you'll do it today, we will end this service with you finally getting free. Okay, let me, can I tell you how? Because we're about to close. Galatians chapter three, verse 26 and 29. So in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. You're always making choices out of fear or faith. Okay, verse 27. For all of you who were baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promises. Okay, let's, let's focus on this. So if you're in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. Children, children. Somebody say, I am a child of God. Your first childhood taught you how to fear. When you become a child of God, it's his way of saying you get to do it again. Their first father failed you, but I am your father, says God, and I'm going to retrain you how to operate in faith. Your first father taught you how to wreck a family, but I'm going to teach you how to reconcile a family. Your first, fa first father taught you that dreams don't come true, but I am your father, says God, and you will become a child again, and your dreams are not big enough in my house, says the Lord. Through faith, through faith, your first father, he actually gained so much weight because food was his comfort. But I am sending another called the Holy Spirit who will be your comforter. It's a second father, a second childhood. It's a do-over, it's a do-over, it's a do-over. Somebody shout, it's a do-over. 
some of you have been doing such a good job of being a mother that you forgot it's a do-over. You get to be a kid too. Christmas isn't for your children. Christmas is for you too. God's got surprises working out for you. Verse 29 says, if you belong in Christ and you're Abraham's seed and heirs to the promise. Wait a second. Didn't Abraham mess up, Pastor Mike? Didn't you just say that Abraham had two wives and he sent one wife away? Yes. Yes. Do you know it's possible to have victory in one area but not have victory in every area? Do you know it's possible to be credited righteousness because of your faith like Abraham? Come on, this is deep. Like Abraham, you're credited righteousness because of your faith, but you fail in one area while you succeed in another. Come on, Mike Signorelli. It's possible to have the fastest growing church in America. It's possible to have a healthy marriage, but still be losing in the area of comfort over food. But I'm here to tell somebody, God, God's plan is not for you to be somewhat free. God's plan is not for you to end up dying saying that they got free in eight out of ten ways. I'm believing not for partial deliverance, but total deliverance. I'm believing for total freedom. I'm believing for total health. You are not going to stop at overcoming and overwhelmed. You're going to stop at overcoming. He says this in John chapter 1 verse 12, yet to all, somebody said all, yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Somebody say it's my right. I got to teach you how to exercise your right. The government will give you a reimbursement for a, more, a portion of your taxes, but you must fill out your forms and you must exercise your right to get the return. Do you all know what I'm talking about? You know what? Everything that we have as citizens requires us exercising our right. Here in New York, if you're under the poverty level, you can actually get access to health care, but you don't have automatic access, even though it's been provisioned for you, even though it's been paid for for you, you must sign up for it and exercise your right to receive your card to get access for health. It is the same way. Jesus paid for eternal salvation. Jesus paid that you can be free, but you must exercise your right. You must take advantage of the benefit of heaven that is free and available to you. Does somebody know what I'm talking about? Exercise, but I love the way it says, you must exercise your right to become children. Somebody say, I am a child of God. Hey, you have the right to become an old man, but you must exercise your right to become old by age but young in the spirit and say God I'm still your child I'm the first of my lineage to ever get this far everybody else has walked away everybody else has given up everybody's died of addiction and premature everybody has been going into poverty and obscurity but God I don't know what I'm doing but I am your child and I'm exercising my right to become a child and just like a parent tells their children where they will go the child doesn't tell the parent where they will go I have the right to become your child and you tell me where to go God 
God. You tell me what to do, God. You tell me how to do it. I have the right to become your child. I don't have to figure it out. I don't have to be intelligent. I have to be obedient. And if I do what you tell me to do, I will be fulfilled in you. Romans chapter 8 verse 14 through 17 says it like this. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. The Spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Everybody say again. Isn't it crazy that it says that? So that you will not live in fear again. What does that mean? It means your first childhood, you lived it in fear. When you accept Christ, you will not experience living that fear again. But let me tell you how that happens. How is it possible that you could experience the fear again? Well, if you're a New Yorker and you have a New York accent, you can move to Miami, but still sound like a New Yorker because you left New York, but New York is still in here. Am I right? You can move from Jamaica to the United States, but sound like a Jamaican because you left Jamaica, but Jamaica is in you. Does somebody know what I'm saying? It's possible that God takes you and he brings you to heavenly realms, that God takes you and lifts you up, but you still have the culture of bondage, the culture of slavery. It's possible that you have financial breakthrough and access to the provision of heaven, but you still have the mind of a slave that's why the Bible says renew your mind the saving is on Jesus but the renewing is on you you got to renew your mind some of you talk like a slave but you're not a slave sometimes oh come on some of you talk like you've been rejected but you've been accepted some of you need to give yourself permission to be as free as he's made you because whom the son sets free is free indeed does somebody believe it Hallelujah! Somebody shout hallelujah! Come on, you can all just jump to your feet right now. So this is what it says. Bring it down a little. Make sure my voice is up. It says this. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship and by him. Everybody say by him. So here's the reason why I went on a roller coaster with my weight. It was by me by me. I'll try to get myself free. I'll try to help myself. But, but it says in Romans chapter 8, by him we cry, Abba, Father. It means you can't even cry out to God unless he gives you the ability to cry out to him. So for those of you who are saying, I, I just feel like I can't connect with God, the Holy Ghost in the inside will begin to cry out to God on your behalf. And you don't have the power to do that. Your family members didn't have the power to do that but after the Holy Spirit comes upon you you will receive power to be a witness what does a witness do a witness bears the truth a witness in the court of law says here in this courtroom I am gonna tell the truth look what it says verse 16 the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit I just, I was looking at these scriptures today. It says the spirit himself testifies with our spirit. Oh, please get this. Please get this. The spirit himself, everybody say the spirit himself testifies 
with our spirit. You are more than a body, you are a spirit. That is the eternal part of you that never dies. Your spirit never dies according to scripture. It is the eternal part of you. And so watch this. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit. Imagine I represent the spirit of God and I'm saying, Michael, you are free and whom the sun sets free is free indeed Michael you are a chosen people a royal priesthood Michael you've come out from among them and you are separate Michael come on you see how the, the spirit is testifying but is testifying to my spirit and then my spirit testifies to his spirit and I say God I know this sounds crazy I know I'm just some Gentile from Northwest Indiana but I feel free and he says yes you are free God I know that there's greater up ahead yes there is greater ahead and your spirit begins to testify with his spirit and there is a confirmation of the revelation of what you are saying and this is different than the power of positive thinking a guru testifies to themselves all these people trying to grow in business, the power of positive thinking doesn't work because it's you testifying to you. But the gospel is God saying, I'm your maker and I can recreate. I can make a new heart out of that stony heart. I can do what your positive affirmation can do. You don't need an affirmation. You need a confirmation from the Holy Spirit. You need a revelation from the blood of Jesus to do what only he can do. Luke chapter 8. Now Jesus' mother and brother came to see him, but they were not able to get near him because of the crowd. And someone said, hey, your mother and your brother is standing outside waiting to see you. And Jesus replied, my mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and they put it into practice. This is the close of this message. Here's what I want to tell you. At this point, Jesus becoming a celebrity. Everybody's following him, all the multitudes. And people want to get close to him. And everybody wants to know, how do I get access? And then someone says, hey, your mother and your brother's here. <laughs> and he said, wait a second. My mother and my brothers are those who hear God's word and they put it into practice. When I was preparing for this sermon, I said, God, I want to look up the Greek word for practice and I'm going to break it down for the church and blow their mind because I love showing them how much of a biblical scholar I am and the president of V1 College. Yeah, yeah, started my own college. I'm that smart. Look at me now. So I looked it up. And I was like, there's gonna be something so good. Cause he's saying, my family are those who do the will of my, of my father. And so I looked it up. Do you wanna know what it means? Literally doing. The Greek word for practice means do it. Doing. And I laughed so hard because it was like Jesus was saying, it is when you actually connect action and doing to my word that you you click into my will. So here's what I want to do right now. We're going to put this into practice right now. This is my awkward family Christmas story. This picture that I've shown you many times today is the healthiest I ever was in other areas, but the most unhealthy I was in emotions and physically. 
but how I lost this weight, follow, follow me, because this is a deep revelation, was caloric deficit. Caloric deficit. So I had to learn the life of daily sacrifice. So the difference between where I was and where I wanted to be was not more. It wasn't adding. It was taking away. It was a deficit. So I felt like I need 3,000 calories a day. I need a cannoli so bad, God. I need steak. I need fries. This is what I felt I needed, but I didn't need it. I felt like I needed it because I was addicted and dependent on something other than the Holy Spirit. So, I, so here's the thing. God, I need $2,000 a month. God, I need $3,000 a month. God, I need whatever your number is. You're convinced you need it. No, you're addicted and dependent on something other than the Holy Spirit. Caloric, watch. I put my calories in a deficit and it produced health. Then I put my finances in a deficit and it produced wealth. Okay, hold on. You're going to get a revelation from this. There was a woman. She's probably in service right now. I got down to Miami this week because we're, we're going to birth a church in Miami. If you're, if you're here in New York City, you're not allowed to go. <laughs> so... I got down there and it was not, I put my, myself on the line. My wife will tell you, it was a tremendous withdrawal for me to go before Christmas in the height of all this busyness to go to Miami, but I sacrificed. But the Lord told me, he said, Mike, I want you to take cash with you. So I took the cash I had and it equaled exactly $900. And he said, there's going to be someone in Miami that you're to give this cash to and you'll know when it's time. So I get to Miami to do that interest party. And all of a sudden I see a woman from our Long Island location. And I'm like, what are you doing here? And tears begin to well up in her eyes as we're standing in a room full of people. And she says, Pastor Mike, you told us to break our alabaster box. I'm a single mother. I only have $50 left to my name, but I paid for the flights to come out here because the Lord told me to come help and to bring the culture of V1 Church down here to Miami with you. I don't even know how things are going to work out. I have a bill that's getting ready to, to, to be shut off in my house, but I broke my alabaster box. You see, somebody who doesn't know how to become a child of God would say, well, she didn't steward her finances, or they'll say that was unwise. But the Bible is full of extravagant generosity that looks unwise to the world, but it is the wisdom of heaven because it's connected to sacrifice. It's one action of faith that undoes a hundred actions of fear. It's one action of faith that breaks thousands of actions of fear. And so this woman said, Pastor Mike, I'm breaking my alabaster box. I'm here. And I went, I told the security, I said, George, get me my backpack. He came down with his backpack. I pulled out my $900. I said, the Lord told me to bring this money. I'm giving it to you right now. I want everybody else here to give this woman money. And she left that place with exceedingly, abundantly, more than she could think, ask or imagine. And the trip was paid for. And then some, the bill is paid for at her home and then some because she broke her alabaster box.
When I went into a caloric deficit, I lost weight and I gained health. I lost weight and I gained health. When you give to the kingdom, you will lose some finances and gain wealth. And you can't understand what I'm saying until you operate in faith. Let me say it like this. 2 Corinthians 9.10. If we could have a prayer team come up. And I also want to ask that you guys bring the buckets up to the front. Uh, for it, because there's going to be people who want to give a gift today. Because today we're, this is the grand finale. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 10. Now the one supplying seed to the one sowing and bread for food will supply and will multiply. Everybody say, will multiply. He will multiply your seed for sowing and will increase the fruits of your righteousness. Now the one supplying the seed to the one sowing will multiply. This woman said, I'm breaking my alabaster box. I'm going to Miami. And she didn't just get, get back the cost of flights. Her finances were multiplied. Do you all see how that works? It's multiplied. Okay, some of you don't believe me. I'm going to go deeper and then we're done. This is the freedom moment. John chapter 3 verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave. But what did he give? His one and only. He gave his one and only son. I was looking at this scripture differently because he made thousands and thousands of angels. And God could have said, well, I love you so much. I'm going to give you 40,000 angels out of the million that I created. I'm going to give you 500,000 angels. He could have said, I love you so much. I'm going to give you 1 million animals out of the 10 million animals I made. But he said, I'm going to give you the thing that I cannot get more of. Do you see this? I'm going to give you the thing that I cannot give you more of. I cannot get more of Jesus. There's only one. My one and only son, that everyone who believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Watch this. I'm going to give one son, the only one I have, and out of that one son, everybody, oh, I feel the anointing. Everybody's childhood gets to start over. I'm going to give one son, and because of this one son, everybody's, everybody gets a new life. Everybody gets a new beginning. Everybody gets to break fear. I want to read it the way that God gave it to me. Heaven went into a deficit. God did not tip. He tithed. He gave his one and only son, the firstborn of all creation. He didn't give an angel. He didn't give an animal. He gave... He didn't give any of his other creations from the surplus of his own making. He gave that which had finite supply. He gave his son Jesus as one and only. So watch, one day, one week, one month, one year. I have finite time here. All of us here will experience death. We'll never get back those days, those months, those years. When you give finances, what you are saying is, God, I'm going to give you the thing that I could never get back. And when I do that, I become more like you. Julie, are you here? My wife has an envelope that represents one year of all of her finances. And she's getting ready to give it in the offering because today we are giving our one offering. And Julie is not giving money. 
Even though it's in the form of money, what does it represent? Time. And she's saying, God, I'll never get this year of my life back, but I'm going to give it to you. And that act of faith is going to break fear over finances. Right now, I want to pray with you. And we're going to allow you, we have a bucket up here. For those of you who are giving one day's worth of wages, one week, one month, or one year, we want to give you the opportunity to do that in the close of this service. You can also use the V1 mobile app, and you can also do it as you hit the pinned comment that's at both of the links. But trust me when I say right now, the Lord wants me to tell many of you in this room and at every campus, you are different. When you thought of yourself growing up, you didn't imagine that you would become the person that you are right now. When you were a kid, you didn't say, when I grow up, I'm always going to be afraid of finances. When I grow up, I'm going to eat for comfort. When I grow up, I'm going to get a divorce. When I grow up, I'm going to be confused all the time. When you were a kid, you said, I'm going to be an astronaut. You said, I'm going to be an actress. You said, I'm going to do these great and amazing things. So here's what the Lord wanted me to tell you. You get to do your childhood again, but this time you have a father that never fails. This time you have a dad that's going to teach you how to dream again. This time you have a heavenly father that's going to teach you how to operate in faith again. And as you give today, as we give into this one offering, you're saying, God, I am exercising my right to be a child. And today I am your kid and I'm going to laugh again and I'm going to serve again. Again, and I am going to move and I am going to experience freedom in every area of my life. So before we come up at every campus to pray and before you guys give your offering and I want you to spend time with God right now, I want to pray over you right now and then we're going to worship for a few moments. Heavenly Father, I pray right now for every single person here. Change their expectations, God. Show them a different future. Show them a different story. You will not die alone. You will not not die sick. You will not die mediocre. You will not die confused. You will be completely free. You will accomplish your destiny and your purpose. And you are free in Jesus name. Come on, let's just worship. You can come to receive prayer at the altar.